Welcome to Converge Coffee with Sean Sullivan. I'm here with Terry Levine, who is a business mentor expert with a heart and is in top business and marketing strategies. She is changing the way business owners do business around the world by connecting them with their target audiences and then sell and serve their customers and their employees. Terry has over 30 years of business, sales, and marketing experience encompassing work with over 5,000 business owners. She is also a best-selling author of over the 30 titles and a very popular keynote speaker. She is the owner of Heartpreneur, which they are committed to transforming the way business is done. She's helping serve small businesses to businesses to heart to heart with transparency, authenticity, and integrity, and show them how to get more qualified prospects very quickly using only three uh, step process that is proven and to work. Thank you, Terry, for uh, being on this podcast in this episode. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. And I'm excited to be here with you, Sean. I'm excited to be here too. I I think we connected either on LinkedIn or one of my emails. And what stood out to me was the whole entrepreneur movement of not just um, plugging and chugging and just selling people, but actually having some connection with people of actually wanting to do business and not just do the work and get it done. So can exactly. you kind of tell can you kind of tell me how this came about with your years of experience. I mean, and, and I mean, over 5,000 business owners, you, you must have, you know, asked people some surveys of how you kind of collected this. How did you start with Heartpreneur? So I had a business for quite a while where I was doing consulting and coaching. And I was also training people to be coaches and consultants and, I was going to write a book. My publisher had asked for a book about how to have a better return on investment in business and some marketing strategies that I knew. And I went to meet with him in New York and we were sitting down and talking and all of a sudden he looked at me in this kind of strange way and he said, don't write me that book. Write me a book about being a heartrepreneur. And I said, a what? <laughs> and he said, you come across with so much heart and you teach people how to do business in an authentic way. I want that book. And on the way back to Philadelphia from New York, I had time to really think about it and it just incredibly resonated with me and felt like the right thing. And I liked it so much that I rebranded my company, trademarked the word Heartrepreneur and I actually started a whole new company called Heartrepreneur. That's amazing. Just one insight of going off from a book and then completely pivoting your whole company. Um, read a bit about your background. You owned and you owned and sold six businesses before Heartpreneur for millions of dollars. Can you kind of um, help me kind of lead into what you learned from that process of how to market better? Um, in order to sell your business for millions of actually showing cash positive, cash flow, whatever, and how that led to what you're still doing, like some practices that you're doing now with Heartrepreneur. Sure. Um, so I'll go way back in time. My first business, I was a speech language pathologist and never dawned on me to sell a business. I never thought about, gee, start a business to sell it. I just came out of college, had a master's degree and said, 
I'll start a business. And it was really a, kind of an accident. As far as I'm concerned, a gentleman walked in and said, we're buying speech clinics. I'd like to buy yours. And being young and uh, kind of very pompous, I was like, I'm not selling. This is my career. I spent six years in college and dot, 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 dot. Long story short, um, I did take his business card. I did tell my husband, who's much more of a financial mind. And my husband said, let's meet with him. And we did. And he made us literally an unbelievable offer. And we sold that business. When I started my second business, which was a home art show business, I started with the end in mind. I saw how I was going to grow the company. I saw how profitable the company could be. And I had a vision of taking that company for about a 15 to 20 year journey. Uh, it happened in about eight years that again, someone literally came to me and said, I'm interested in buying your business. This time I was a lot more ready. And this time I had great systems and infrastructure. So it didn't really matter if I was the business um, at all. And then I got smarter and I'll just kind of keep on the journey. I, I was able to grow one of my businesses from zero to 88 million dollars in a little bit under six months. I got really kind of formulaic about how to do this. When I went into that business, I said, I can see a huge window of opportunity. I'm going to grow this big, fast and furious, and then I'm going to sell and get out, which is exactly what I did. So I got very strategic in each business about end in mind. At the time, I wasn't so much in, in what I'm going to call heart with business. I always loved the people that worked with me. I treated my vendors and employees and my team really well and did the best I could for my customers. However, it wasn't my sole focus. And when I started my coaching and consulting business, I came at it in a different way. I knew I didn't want to sell it. I knew I wasn't building something like that. And I knew it was going to be a heart-based business. Can you kind of tell me um, the difference of, you know, some insights or some stories that you've had that going from scaling a business, selling it for $88 million to not to more of a heart kind of business where you're not scaling as much or are you scaling as much? Like, how, how do you balance that? Mm, great question. So I actually am scaling as much. I'm, I'm running and managing and operating this business as if it could be sold. Even the fact that the name is no longer what it was one day, Terry Levine Worldwide. My name has nothing to do with the business. Um, the business has lots of other consultants and coaches besides me in the areas that are necessary. So I'm doing the same things that I would do as if I were building a business for a client or if I was building a business to sell it just because the systems, processes, and procedures make the business run effortlessly and seamlessly. And just in case I were to get sick or to disappear from the planet because I was no longer able to work or something like that, I want the business to be able to continue. So I'm not positioning it for sale. However, I'm doing all the same things that I've done with other businesses that I have sold. That's interesting. Like a lot of people want their hands or founders want their hands in the business. And you're kind of saying, I've built this. I'm stepping back enough for the business to run and to grow in itself. How do you, for anybody who's like starting a company or, or, or in the early first years, how do you 
make those processes? How do you market yourself in order to scale? Are there like a few tips and tricks that you can kind of, you know, let people like see under the hood of, you know, what's going on? So very important, and this is one of the things that I really consult and coach people on, is when you start a business, you have to start with, as Stephen Covey said, start with the end in mind. And a business is not a business if it's just you doing something. If it relies on you as the whole sole person in the business, it's just you, 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 you. Um, Basically, you've built yourself a job or an expensive hobby. A business has systems, processes, and procedures and makes money whether you work or don't work. A business cannot rely on you. So sometimes somebody's like, well, I'm a speaker. And I'll say, well, if you don't speak, do you make money? No, then that's not a good business model. Well, I'm a coach, okay? If you if you don't coach, do you have coaches who coach? Well, no, nobody can coach like me. That's not a business. So I'm very clear that the day that you say to me, I'm going to start a business, you need to put in systems, policies, procedures, and start to replicate and duplicate yourself. That's interesting. So do you get a lot, do you get a run into a, like a lot of freelancers that think they're running a business, but in actuality, they're, I mean, they're not, I mean, is that, is that a case that you've run into a lot? So many times, and it's very disturbing. Um, I see it literally day after day, time after time, where people will go ahead and say, I'm starting a business or I have a business, and it's all about them. I see it with chiropractors, dentists, coaches, consultants, speakers, trainers, authors. You know, I could go on and on. I have a good friend, Sean, who's a massage therapist, who literally will do a massage for somebody before they go to work at six in the morning, and she'll work all day and do her last person at 10 o'clock at night and fall into bed. That is not a business. She is literally killing herself right now. She has back pain, shoulder pain, neck pain, hand pain. At some point, she's not going to be able to work. So she has no sellable asset. She has nothing that can be replicated or duplicated. And I see many, many people who are entrepreneurs start a business just like that. I'm good at this craft or I want to do this. And they, they just run out and they start doing the thing without creating a business. That's really good insight. I'm, and I have got a specific example for you for just a specific question on that is it's easy to replicate a product. And you see companies out there that replicate, you know, SaaS products, whatever kind of product. How do you scale a service? I mean, that's kind of your, you're kind of part of that. How do you, how do you, how would you do that? Uh, So people ask this all the time. Well, first of all, you have to think differently and you have to think creatively. You can't set up a business to be all around you and your personality. You know, I'll tell you somebody who, who tried to do this and also struggled. So Tony Robbins, right? Mm -hmm. He started out as Tony Robbins. It was all Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins, Tony Robbins. Then a decade or more ago, he went, this isn't really good. It's not a business. It's all me. It'll be Anthony Robbins, and I'm going to specialize in dentists and this and that. Well, it was too little too late. Nobody wanted to go to one of the seminars when all of a sudden it would be, well, Tony's not here, and so-and-so's on stage and said People wanted their money back. People were upset. If he started in the beginning as being the brand and being the voice and introducing other people on his team. They might not have been ready to step in for him. It would have been a much simpler, easier transition. So 
name your business. Think about the name. Instead of Terry Levine, a better name would be something like Terry Levine and Associates, even if you don't have any yet. Um, instead of naming the business after your name, a better name would be the result you deliver. So start to think about from day one before you just open your doors and say, hey, it's all about me. I can help you write a book or I can help you do this. It's we and start using the language of we and start teaching other people to do what you do. And don't be so much in your ego. As my, my good friend and mentor, Joel Bauer says, your ego is not your amigo. You can't. <laughs> I love that. You can't. Yes. Think well, nobody could do it like me. I'm the only one who would do it this way. Because if that's the case, you literally just have figured out another job and you're not replaceable and your business will never be sellable. And hopefully you'll be healthy every single day of your life and never miss a day because it depends on you. Well, what's that, uh, the Bible story about, you know, teach a man to, fit, man yeah. to fish rather than, yeah, it, it goes right back to that where you, if you just do it for everybody, then you're it's taking away time from being for personal commitments and all you have is work, 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 work versus, you know, teaching other people how to do that, sell that. And they'll come back to you and saying, Hey, I want more information on how to do this better. And you're not wasting, you're not, not wasting, but you're not spending as much time doing, you know, work, 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 work that you can probably work from like eight to five and then go home and not, have to worry about things or you build a team to help you work from eight to five. Exactly. Exactly. And so what I really recommend is you get this in your head now and immediately and instantly. Um, even if you started your business and not the quite right way just now, make a shift, make a change. You can actually change it right away. That's amazing. Now I'm now I'm Rinky thinking my business already. <laughs> I you. I actually was like, oh, he's thinking. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm thinking into this like it's a, it's amazing to kind of see um, the we aspect. I see other people that they have their agency, but they also have like a little consulting thing on the side, and it's you know the agency as we as a team, and when they separate when they're doing consulting. Obviously, it's them individually, but if they want to be consultant as their business, they have to rethink that whole, you know, I person, you know, I, you know, and, and transition that to a we. Exactly. So going back to like my speech language pathology business, as I said, it all happened by accident, right? I realized pretty quickly that I couldn't be the speech language pathologist and do the marketing and take care of the, the finance and take care of the clinic. And so I realized pretty early on that I was good, really good at the marketing and good at working with some kinds of patients, not all. So I went out and find, found another speech pathologist who could work with the patients that either I didn't like to work with or wasn't the best at. And then when I got hospital contracts and nursing home contracts, I brought on board other speech pathologists and eventually added occupational therapists and physical therapists. When I started my art business, I was the only one doing home art shows with original oil paintings in somebody's house. And I said, well, that's not a business. So let me find other people who also want to do home art shows. And then I started training more and more people. That's how you want to think from day one in your business. How can I make this so the business is beyond me? It's bigger than me. 
Wow, I'm just I'm just amazed. I did not know. I was not expecting my mind to be blown <laughs> to this to this degree. I mean, I think my heart went from like a little bitty like Grinch to the biggest heart that he has at the end as <laughs> how much more passion I should have in more in my business and but also thinking of it as as a business. Exactly. Exactly. And and I tell people this too, Sean. You know, even if you say oh, I'm never going to sell it and so I, my thing that I say now is never say never, never say never. I didn't True. think I was going to sell mine, right? Never, ever say never. And act as if you do have an end in mind because you will build a bigger, better business if you do. So I encourage people to act as if my business, I do not have any plans of selling it. I don't have plans of retiring. I love it. I wake up every day and can't wait to do it. And I'm really good at it. However, it is built so someone could keep it going if I were to disappear from planet Earth. It could keep going. That's a legacy. That's a business. That's a financial asset. I think you hit the nail on the head that it goes beyond the business mm-hmm. itself and becomes a legacy of other people supporting other people because you're building something that not only supports yourself and your family, but other supports other people's families too, of being an employees of your business. Right. And can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I know we've been talking about how to scale your business, you know, customers, but how, how do you do that internally um, of scaling your business with employees and bringing them on? So, This is where many people start to struggle and they start to have a lot of fear about investing and spending money and all of this. Um, When I first started my coaching and consulting business, so, you know, it's just me bringing in a tiny bit of, of revenue. The first thing I did was I brought on a virtual assistant. Now, I had one client. The day that I quit my corporate J-O-B, I literally had one client. I hired a virtual assistant. Most people don't do that. Why did I do that? Because I had to think bigger and I had to think outside myself and I had to see the potential for having so many clients that I would need help. 30 days later, I had 30 clients. 30 clients in 30 days. Why? I had a virtual assistant handling almost everything so I could focus for 30 days on just bringing on new clients. The end of 30 days, I had a waiting list. Then I had my virtual assistant start to focus on the processes and the systems. And then within, I guess, three months, I brought my second person on the team and then my third person. And I kept growing from there. So I recommend that people don't hold back. What most people do in my experience is they go, oh, I can't afford an assistant. Oh, I can't afford somebody else. Oh, I can't afford to give some of the money away. Well, my niece listened to me. She started a virtual virtual assistant business with just her. And I said, that's not a business. You need to go bring on more virtual assistants and go get more business. And she listened. And within a year, about a year and a half, she did that. And she went out and she got lots of clients. And what she has established over the last 10 years or so is a virtual assistant business that runs most of the time without her. So she can be at home raising her children that she oversees, that she operates, that has tons and tons of contracts with a lot of virtual assistants doing the work. And then if and when they need more business, she focuses on that part of the business now. So she's focusing in on what she is good at when she started the business. Exactly. 
what if someone is not good at selling or starting a business in that sense? How, how, do, do, how do they get involved in focusing in if they're really good at marketing, mm-hmm. for instance? How do, how do they get started with a business if they're really good at marketing or really good at finance or really good at something that's not bringing in the, bringing the bread to the table? Great. So take that skill set and make money from it. So I didn't expect to have a business that I would be helping people and doing marketing with them and for them. I started out as a, a life coach. And then all of a sudden, everybody was going, well, how did you create all those six-figure businesses and seven-figure businesses? I want that. How do you do that? And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm really, really good at starting businesses and selling them and creating millions of dollars. Huh. Maybe I should stop thinking about what Terry wants and listen to what the market is asking for and what comes natural and easy to me. And I took those skills and said, I'll get paid for marketing. I'll still do it in my own business, but now I'll get paid to do it for other people. So I would say to you, let's say you're great at finance and you operate a a dental clinic and you say, but man, I'm really good at finance. You've got to make a decision. Is your passion, if you didn't get paid for the next 20 years and had all the money in the world, is your passion to continue to see dental patients every day? Or is it to run the financial operations of dental businesses and teach other dentists how to do that? That's where you have to get honest. I call it getting naked and get Mm -hmm. clear, right? Get really clear. What are you passionate about and what does the market need? And are you the one that has to do it? So in my speech clinic, it became real obvious to me, Terry was not meant to do speech pathology. It was not my sweet spot. My sweet spot was marketing speech pathology. That's interesting. You narrowed it down. And when people look for you, Instead of looking for speech pathology, they're looking for marketing speech pathology. So it's like a long tail keyword that you just found your niche going further and further down. So when people try to look for you, they find you. Exactly. Exactly. And pay attention. I tell people this all the time, and I really mean it. Pay attention because sometimes we choose the market and very often the market chooses us. And the market's going to say to you, here, come over here, do this for me. And don't be closed off to that. Don't be blocked off. Um, I'll give you a true experience here, Sean. I never, ever intended to start a coach training school. It wasn't on my radar, the furthest thing from my mind. In a three-month period, 15 people asked me to train them to become a coach, 15. And finally, I said, okay, universe, I hear you. I got this. (laughs) And I didn't want to go figure out how to do that. So I went out and I hired the best coaches from all of the different coaching organizations in the world at that point. I paid them to write curriculum. I'm the marketer. I went out and did the marketing and brought 200 students to our program in a weekend, gave the school legs and income to take off from there. That's how you build a business. You do the pieces you're good at and you pay attention to what the market is telling you they want. That's amazing. And how do you, how, how, sorry, (laughs) a little tongue tied there, just trying to think too and thinking and trying to talk at the same time. Um, How, I mean, you've been on, you've written over, you know, authored 37 books. You've been, you know, you host your own radio shows, TV shows. You're an international keynote speaker. Is that part of your marketing? Is that where your passion lies? 
Mm, that's a really good question. Part of my passion ever since I'm a pretty young girl is writing. I love to write. Um, I can't stop writing. That's why I have so many books. So I write because I love it. And it also has become a great way for people to find me. So when you can call it a marketing tool, people read books, they connect with me. I've been speaking on stages since I'm five years old. So speaking is something that I'm good at and passionate about. So I would do that all day long, day and night, never to be paid because it's my joy. And I have also found lots of people meet me and connect with me through my talk. So it became another marketing avenue. The common theme here is find what you love to do. A lot of people try to do marketing that are doing things that they don't like. If you don't like writing, stop having a blog or do a video log. Um, if you don't like to host a radio show because you're not that interested in interviewing people or what they have to say, absolutely don't do it. I do my radio show because I love it. I don't care if it brings me a client or a prospect. I love the people I interview and the learning. So for me, it's just a way to advance my own knowledge and I enjoy it. Look at all the marketing activities and say, what would I do if nobody paid me? And if you pick two or three things like that that feel fun to do, you will always have a, a very vibrant business. If you don't like to go networking, don't do it. If you love to do it, do it. That's the recommendation that I make. That's amazing. Like how we've pieced everything together of do what you're passionate about, but also when you start making money, don't think of I, but think of we. Right. And starting a business. Exactly. Exactly. So, just to get to, to know you a little bit more, I know we've been talking about buying and selling businesses. You authored 37 books. There's probably, you're probably going to go up into the 60, 70 range. <laughs> <laughs> and, but I, I noticed one thing and you are very passionate about, and can you tell, tell, tell me what your, the passion is? Cause I don't want to like say it wrong. It's, it's reflex. Yeah, it's reflex sympathetic dystrophy, and it is something I am very passionate about. And it's, it's really um, one of the things that drives me to work and make money because I, I, I fund a charity through the money I make. And um, I had an orthopedic injury 11 mm -hmm. years ago, and instantaneously – I landed with what is called reflex sympathetic dystrophy, which is also called the disease of fire, burning, or hell. It is also the number one suicide disease. Um, and there is no cure for this disease. And I'll just you know, tell you, imagine it this way. Somebody takes all the blood out of your veins. They fill you up with lighter fluid, and they set you on fire. You burn. I mean, burn. Well, um, oh gosh. It's horrifying. When I first got this disease, I couldn't wear clothing. No one could come into the room where I was because that would make the air move and then I would burn even more. So what happened for me is the disease was absolutely changed my life and my ability to work. I, I was in bed. I was in a wheelchair, unable to walk, um, literally screaming in pain for about six hours every day. Medication doesn't touch it. I had ketamine infusions, which is elephant tranquilizer. It was ported into my veins, kind of a horrifying experience. I didn't get better. I actually got extremely worse. And 
I'm a really positive, happy, joyful person. But one day I said, I can't do this anymore. I just can't do it anymore. And um, I was considering ending my life. And I had this sort of divine guidance. Two things came. I thought I was writing a suicide note and I wrote a book. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Totally channeled this book called Magnetize. I, I absolutely couldn't believe it came out of me. And then I found myself Googling children who have the disease and knowing I'm a very strong person mentally and physically. And for me to be crushed how could these children be surviving? And instantaneously, my heart realized that I got this disease and it's given to me. It's kind of a blessing. The disease could have been given to anyone, but it it picked me. I have a very loud voice. I have the ability to speak on stages and platforms of big social media reach. I have radio shows and TV shows, and I speak all over the world. I'm the person that needs to educate people about funding for this disease. I'm the person that can raise funds to help children get treatment they need. And I literally had a wake-up call in that moment and fought really, really hard to learn how to walk and stand and move again. And um, about a year ago, I was deemed in remission. And I spend my time fundraising for children who have reflex sympathetic dystrophy. That's amazing. That is absolutely amazing to hear. I mean, you went through your passion. You, I mean, I think we've all, we all have something. We all have something that we're passionate about. Either we went through or a family member or friend went through. And for you to just completely flip that around and are in remission, which thank God you are, but you're helping children who are in this. Yeah. Yeah. It was, for me, it was a real wake-up call um, that this wasn't about me. Um, it You're really a heartpreneur. <laughs> yes, thank You're you. You're the embodiment of the business. Yes. Yes. And, and, and this is how I feel. You have to live and you have to breathe whatever you believe. You have to live and you have to breathe whatever you believe. And if you believe in authenticity and transparency, then that has to be you. If you believe in helping people and opening your heart to them, then that has to be you. And that's really how I function in the world. It's so important to me. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I'm still I'm still a little awestruck of just the explanation to go through that. Um, just even one day, I mean, imagine 10 years, couldn't imagine that, could not imagine that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I hope someday, miraculously, we can actually find a cure for this disease, maybe even eradicate it. If, if it is that, that serious and, and it's the number one, you know, disease that, you know, causes suicide because they just can't handle the pain anymore. Yeah, I'm sure they've got people looking into it. And I know that you have your foundation and I, I will make sure that um, I will send this out into my, in my network to know about this and know about um, reflex sympathetic dystrophy. So I will make sure that goes out too. And then obviously our heartpreneur, um, what you're working on. Um, Terry, thank you so much for uh, going through teaching you know, my audience teaching me, you know, how to think like a business, how to scale a business, and then also put your heart into anything. 
not only work, but what we've been through and, and building a foundation. I mean, I think we probably need another episode of how, how do you build a foundation? <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> I've exactly. enjoyed this. And, and I, I thank you, Sean, because one of the things I just love about you is that you ask very different questions and unusual questions, and you get to bring out some, some deeper answers in people. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. I try to go beyond the how-tos. I've read so many blogs and I'm like, well, that's great. I need to know how to, but I went through these seven steps. That's not helping me. Like I love to listen and to learn from other people from different points of view, different lifestyles, different experiences. And I think that's kind of been lost as we are in our own little offices, our own little world. And that's kind of why I started this podcast. This is my passion is to talk with people like you that just, you know, exhume experience, professionalism, and a heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I resonate with you. So I thank you. It's for me, it's an honor to be with someone like you. And I, I've enjoyed every moment of our chat. Well, thank you very much, uh, Terry. Um, Hope everybody enjoyed this coffee meeting and uh, hope to hear or hope you love the episode and hope to hear any um, comments or shares or anything. So uh, thank you very much, Terry. Thank you again. 